Welcome back to another episode of the My Latin Life podcast. Since 2014, My Latin Life has been your trusted guide to traveling and living in Latin America. Today, I have a special guest. His name is Adil Maff, um, and he's a really interesting guy. He specializes in helping people from emerging markets get their payment processing handled. And he has a YouTube channel dedicated to that. And he's an entrepreneur. He has other businesses as well. But I thought it was really cool because um, I think one of the main reasons that a lot of the digital nomads you see today are still largely kind of from North America and rich countries is I think partly just because we have our payment processing handled and it's easy and we can receive money from anywhere in the world. And for someone from Egypt or Indonesia or Brazil, um, it's a little bit more tricky to accept money from all over the world. So it's almost like not uh, it's not an even playing ground. Um, so something that I, I think about a bit. But anyway, long long story short, wanted to welcome uh, Adil to the podcast. Uh, learned about him from his podcast and talking about his experience living in Brazil. Uh, as a Moroccan guy, so definitely living an international life. Adil, how's it going, man? All good. How about yourself? Doing awesome, man. Um, awesome. Yeah, the the way I actually found you was through your podcast. I think I, w- I don't even know. Uh, I was just using the search functionality um, in Google Podcasts to look for stuff about Brazil and you know the other expats. And your episode about, I think it was like 16 things I, I love about Brazil popped up. Yeah. And then I kind of started looking at your profile and I was like, man, this guy could be a cool podcast guest because, <laughs> um, you know, he's living in Latin America. He's living in Brazil. looks like you've been doing it for a while now, um, like four years plus. And yeah, um, so I, exactly. So um, I, I was like, yeah, this guy's an interesting story for sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, there's also a chapter in Colombia. Uh, I love Colombia. Been in Medellin, and yeah, I love Latin America in, in general. Awesome. So, how long have you been um, like living in Brazil now? I think it's been like a while, right? Yeah, uh, I came the first time to Brazil back in 2013. I came here for a rock festival, and uh, like. Rock like in Rio? What I was, no, it's another one in Sao Paulo, Masters of Rock with Slipknot and Machine Head and stuff, Aerosmith. And uh, yeah, so like when I came in here, like for me, Brazil was like in what we see in the movies, like Cidade de Deus, City of God, or mm-hmm. <laughs> it's cool. I, and uh, it was mind boggling, like when I arrived in here. It's a whole different thing, you know? And uh, that was my first contact with Brazil. And then I came back like each year, whenever there is some festival like Tomorrowland or something, I came back here until I decided to live in here. And here I am. Like, Yeah, that's awesome, man. There's a, a phrase that I've related on the podcast before. It's that there's only two types of people. Um, those that have never been to Brazil and those that are trying to go back. True. True, true. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is exactly what happened. Like whenever somebody come here, like they, they come with very low expectation and then they see how is Brazil and they don't want to go back. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. true. 
And I, I've actually listened to another podcast that you were on. Um, it was like the first um, video that you uploaded to your channel where um, mm -hmm. someone interviewed you like five years ago. So I did get a bit of your background and stuff, but um, I'd really lo love to hear it um, from your own mouth and, you know, for the benefit of the audience, kind of um, where you're from, uh, how you got started in entrepreneurship and um, kind of uh, what your uh, what kind of journey you're on. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. So, um, like, I come from Morocco, Casablanca. I I grew up in there. It's, uh, um, yeah, like, uh, I've been there almost my whole life until moving to Brazil. And I've been into digital marketing since quite early. Like, I used to run a web magazine of metal and rock and stuff back in 20, uh, 2001, 2001. Two, something like that and then from there like i went to email marketing i was very early like when people were about distribution of flyers and stuff and i was already selling to my customers like email marketing solution and this kind of stuff and uh and yeah um then from there i moved to brazil i start i've been into dropshipping too i'm still into dropshipping right now with some gvs and uh, e-commerce and by the way like you've been talking about uh, payment processing like this is how i've got into payment processing like uh, i jumped into drop shipping back in 2016 and being moroccan like we don't have a lot of solutions for processing payments and selling uh, on an e-commerce store internationally like there is it it's a non-existent thing like we have paypal and PayPal, there is a lot of issues with PayPal, like they, they shut mm -hmm. down the account and stuff, especially once you start scaling your business. And that's exactly what happened to me. I had a PayPal account and I started scaling a dropshipping store uh, back in September 2016. And I started reaching like uh, $2,000 per day. Then I started moving, I reached something like 30000 in 50 days or something and then they locked my account they shut it down they asked for some stuff i sent them everything but like it was uh, it was over for that account and like this way i found myself in brazil 10 kilometer 10,000 kilometers far away from my home country and uh, like i wasn't a very good at managing money and stuff not like right now i'm investing i have a portfolio of investments and stuff back then like i i was just a spender i make money and i spend it so i was almost with no money in brazil and with no way to process payments and knowing how to make money like uh how to do facebook ads and how to generate money and i had like my coaching going on and many things but like i was stuck because there is no payment processing solution so it took me like something like six months trying to crack the code. And uh, it was some very difficult period, actually, extremely difficult one. One of the hardest I had uh, in, in my life. And I cracked the code of how to process payments without being from the, the from European countries or, or the US or Canada. Uh, so even if you are South African or if you are Colombian or, or Mexican or Moroccan, you can prosper. So once I cracked the code, I shared it on YouTube. And that's how it started, like the new journey. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I've been helping dozens of thousands uh, around the world, like sharing new strategies and new 
technique for anyone because I, I believe that it's unfair and not because you were born the wrong side of the map that you lose this benefit and like you can't have access to sell globally and we are getting in a global world like it's you know uh, um, I, I think that like everyone need to have everyone deserve to have access to uh, a payment processing system so they can like do transactions internationally mm-hmm. and grow internationally and I also believe like not just this and this is also why I've got in crypto uh, like I was looking for an alternative back in 2017 and I found about Bitcoin and stuff. And this is why like right now I'm heavy into crypto because it's it's about freedom. It's about like we're all equal mm-hmm. and like anyone can send a transaction to anyone without bureaucracy and banking and this kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. it's the logical succession of the thing started in digital marketing, emailing and ended up in crypto and right now play to earn and NFTs and and this kind of stuff. I it, hope it, it makes sense. It, your question. It does. And it, it makes sense oh. that you made um, that you made the leap into crypto um, coming from a place where you had a real use case and yeah. um, you have probably a different perspective on crypto um, than, than maybe I do. Um, I wanted to take a step back and kind of like focus on your early journey a bit. I mean, for context, how old are you now? Um, 30, 30, 38. Mm-hmm. Cause you've been in internet business stuff. It seems like for almost 20 years, right? Yeah. 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 Something like that. That's amazing. And, um, Casablanca, I believe, so I believe how it works is like Rabat is like the government capital. And then, uh, Casablanca is like the business capital of Morocco. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it, Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly that. Like it's the big city. It's like the Sao Paulo of Morocco. Mm-hmm. And like right right now it's very multicultural, very mixed, very yeah, it's quite yeah. Uh like the new Casablanca, I quite like it. I've been there. Uh, I was like uh my I was like, what the hell is this the city I grew up in? It's changed a lot. A lot, a lot. The mentalities and uh yeah, it's quite uh, it's way better than the Casablanca I knew. And Very modern, uh, really. what what is like the cultural makeup now, like the the multicultural elements of Casablanca? Well, right now we have a huge community of expats. Like the building when I used to live before coming in here, like half of it, it were like Sp- Spanish, Portuguese, French. And there is a lot of immigration from uh, also uh, uh, the the like Africa, Af- other other African countries. Yes, yes. So and there is also immigration from Europe actually because like people are immigrating to have a better quality of life and because you know it's cheaper than Europe while while the quality of life is higher. Like a lot of people moving to Marrakesh and this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. this creates some, you know, some mixture like, uh, like the mentality change, and uh, you go to a bar, you find people from all over the world, and it's quite cool. Love yeah, it. that's cool. That's really cool. And um, did you go to an international school growing up? Uh, no, I've been uh, in a very normal school. Uh, I've been like I grew up in in a neighborhood like uh, kind of the suburb in the US. 
and very normal school, like very uh, uh, international school was quite expensive. <laughs> I was broke back then. My family didn't have, my mother didn't have the means for that. Okay. I was like, I bet this guy went to the Lycée Francaise or something. <laughs> uh, no, no. But you know, the thing is that like I was spending all my time, I was living like in a shitty place and I was all the time going to the the fancy place in Casablanca where there is the Lycée Francais, where the French, uh, uh, yeah, Moroccan French, it's very mixed. And like, this is where I was, I was spending my time. Uh, because culturally it's in the same you know we speak the same language more or less mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. yeah yeah and, and i that, I, feel, that was the I, feel, um, <laughs> I i feel connected to this uh part of the world uh the francophone world as well because uh i'm canadian and uh oh. lived in lived in montreal for many years and you know nice go eat go eat at Moroccan restaurants and, um, you know, listen to music and stuff. So, and have, have nice. buddies. I, and... You know, half of my, my father's family, half of them, they are in Montreal, Montreal. Montreal there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, all the time you should come visit us in Canada. I should come. Never went there. I should. I Dude, should. you got to. It. It's good. It's a good spot. It's pretty cheap too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, uh, so how did you, so you said you started doing email marketing stuff in like 2004 yes. or something like really early on. Yeah. So were you yeah. already speaking English at this point or were you learning from like French speaking yeah. gurus? No, no, no. I was like, um, actually I was learning English back when, uh, 2001, 2002, 2003, I had this web magazine about, uh, rock heavy metal and this kind of stuff. And I was already interviewing some bands, some big names, and it was in English because I was, I was learning with the, with, you know, with the music, actually the, the English. So mm -hmm. this was quite helpful in my journey later on. And like, uh, uh, this is, this is how I've got the language, but you know, the thing is that like back in 2003, I was stupid. I didn't go and look for how to make money online. The only attempt I did is some Google AdSense on that portal. And I asked my mm -hmm. friend to go and click. So they shut down the account. Uh, like, uh, yeah, I've got into digital marketing, like more seriously in 2007, 2008. And this is when I started also doing the email marketing for the customers, 2007. Mm -hmm. And w when when you started, you know, getting uh, big into doing the email marketing and and sort mm -hmm. of uh, internet e commerce, um, mm -hmm. how much of it was uh, was like what was your motivation? Was it sort of like a freedom thing, um, a travel the world thing, or just like a provide for my family thing, or or what? What, or just well, a genuine interest in technology, or well, it it it, it came like 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 that. I I I always believe like I was always looking for what is the next trend. Since back then, like email marketing, like I had to educate the customers first, like explain what is email marketing, what it is going to benefit them more than paying for magazines and stuff, and like the motive I had behind. I, I won't lie, just getting out of misery. <laughs> I had to escape first and like have a decent life. And then 
I, I reached that level. Like I was making very good money, sports car and this kind of stuff. And, uh, and like, uh, in 2013 and I had a company, I have two companies. Actually, I had also another company for booking models and hostesses. So I, I was operating in this field also, uh, booking models for shooting and this kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, uh, like, and I had a big team and everything, everything was fine. Then once I traveled first, I, I think I went to Thailand and then I said, you know what? I need to start a digital nomad life, like, uh, the life of living in the same city and this kind of stuff. This is not my thing. So since 2013, I started like thinking about this and that took. 2011, 2000, 2011, I've got into the, the, the make money online thing, like mm-hmm. ClickBank, like uh, CPA. Mm-hmm. And 2013, uh, I was into Amazon FBA. No, not Amazon FBA. I was into Amazon Affiliate. I had some websites and like earning commission from affiliates and this kind of stuff. And when I went into to Thailand and I was already making money online. Like I checked the stats and my website's making me some income while I'm traveling. I said, this is the life I want. I want to travel and I want to enjoy like the world, what it's got, what the world got to offer. And uh, the more I moved in, like uh, my goal was like, once I start making some solid income online, I pack my stuff and I move. And this happened in 2015. Like uh, I took my online uh, money I make online to around seven thousand, ten thousand dollars, something like that. And I said, "This is the time." I sold everything in Morocco and like packed my stuff and <laughs> came here to Brazil. And, Makes sense. Uh, the rest is history. But like I was really obsessed with this, you know, this freedom thing. You wake up, you don't, you don't need an alarm clock to wake up. You don't, you know, you don't need to be in like tomorrow if i want i can pack my stuff and i can move to the other continent and spend Mm. there like six months seven months and Mm. this is it's all about freedom you know it's not about the money i always like to repeat this it's not about the money it's about freedom and this is why like whatever i'm doing is related to freedom because it's one of my core values like cryptocurrencies it's about freedom uh you are free with your money uh Digital marketing is about freedom. It's all about freedom. So, yeah. Yeah. Hope and it so answers your question. What, it does. It does. So, so what, like what came first? Did you want to be free and then started making money or did you kind of start making money and then kind of had the realization, you know what, like, I don't need to go back. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's no. better here. <laughs> No, I wanted to. I wanted to become free, and the way to get freedom was money. Mm-hmm. Like this is how I've seen it. Like making money online, you buy your freedom, and then you can do whatever you want. Money gives you mm-hmm. options, actually. So if you have one thousand dollars, you have some options. You have ten thousand dollars, you have ten more options. It's and true. This is like uh, it's just expanding your options, and options equal freedom of choice. And, you know, the, the, the path of a traveler can be interesting. And I bet maybe you didn't always 
uh, in, envision yourself ending up in Brazil necessarily? Did you have Never. like a dream Never. location when when you no. were in Casablanca and you were thinking about the future? Where did you think you would end up? No, Canada, actually, when I was a kid, because all my family were there in Mon- Montreal. And I was like saying to my mother, hey, I need to study in Canada in a school there. And she was now it's very expensive. I can't There's no <laughs> way to do it. <laughs> it was Canada. I was obsessed about this. Uh, until like in high school that was like the maximum i was planning to to like uh, the goal i wanted to achieve and Mm -hmm. um brazil i never thought about brazil like eventually thailand i like thailand but when i came to brazil and i've seen how brazil and the brazilian the people like i made some crazy friendships in here like we are friends until now and we've been communicating just with you know, with I think you know how Brazilians are. Very, very friendly, very warm, very... Mm-hmm. Um, like, you don't speak... I, 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 back then, I didn't speak any Portuguese and we were exchanging just with the Google Translate. Like, hey, let's party. Okay, let's go to the party. <laughs> um, it, it, like, uh, plus it's very different from what the media are showing us. Like, they show us violence and stuff. You go to Sao Paulo, it's like New York. It's very modern, it's very skyscrapers, it's very advanced. You get everything in there. So I was like, hey, I think Brazil is the place to be. So I so then yeah, I started coming here like whenever there is a big festival or something, until I I decide to establish in here. And was Brazil your first uh, destination that you visited in Latin America? Yes, yes, Brazil. Then it's Colombia. funny because it's not it's Canada. not most people's first destination. It's usually actually for a lot Colombia. of people, it's like the ultimate step. Like the first step is like you know you, we have we you, we actually joke that there's like a three there's like a three step program for Latin American <laughs> digital nomads, and step one is uh Medellin or Playa del Carmen something something like, like digital nomad hub something familiar and you then step what? two is like the other latin countries are like okay let me try Peru or Ecuador or something mm-hmm. and then step mm-hmm. three the final frontier is Brazil <laughs> you know why this is the perspective of people from the US and Canada because proximity, you start with Mexico and like the language, right. uh, there's a lot of Latinos in there. So you hear Spanish all over the place. So Brazil, it's like the last thing. It's like you're playing a video game and it's the last level. While people coming from a country like, say, France, you will find a lot of French coming to Brazil because like it's the same level of difficulty. And uh, Brazil is exotic and this kind of thing. So here you will find a lot of people coming from the other sides of the world. This is what happens, actually. That's a good point. Uh, but, That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, but still, like, if we, and also if we compare, like, the tourist number in Colombia and in Brazil, like, Brazil is way more than Colombia. It's just that they are not coming from the US. The US, they go to Medellin. Like, they start with Mexico, as you said, and then they go to Colombia because it's the basic. When I was there, like, it's full of people from the US. And then the next step, it's like, like the Australian, they start with with uh, with Thailand. Quite similar. Exactly, exactly. And so, when you um, were focused on sort of um, getting your freedom and internationalizing, and actually now, 
Like, do you have an internationalization plan or how do you think about having multiple bases and sort of diversifying? Well, uh, one of my plans, the first one is diversification of passports because it, it's like your access to various things, like uh, more, more freedom. Uh, especially right now, the world is going very, very, very crazy with the COVID. Like sometimes, you know, uh, passport A is more powerful than passport B just because of COVID. So this is something, this is uh, something for the internationalization. Um, other than this, eventually like buying some real estate in, in Colombia. That's something I have in the pipeline. I'm starting here in Brazil and I eventually plan to, to expand in there. That's awesome. I, um, yeah. Have you, so have you been visiting Colombia as well? Yeah. Yeah. I spent some time in there in Medellin, Cartagena, Bogota. Um, I really liked Colombia. Like it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. The people, the, the vibe, the Latino vibe, because Brazil is, people think that Brazil is Latino. Brazil is not Latino. Brazil, like people here don't have reggaeton and stuff like, but but if you go to Colombia, you will find things that are very common with Argentina and with Mexico and with Panama, you know, a lot of Latino similarities. Brazil, it's another dimension. It's another galaxy. Here, it's the funk. It's, you know, samba. It's a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. So this is like, I like the Latino part in, in Colombia. The people, um, I liked Bogota a lot. It's just that it's so cold at night. Very cold. <laughs> <laughs> But like the vibe is amazing in Bogota, uh, and uh, and yeah, Colombia was a great experience, and I'm planning to go back there. As I said, like I eventually getting some real estate in there. Yeah, so let's talk a bit about uh, real estate in Colombia and in Brazil. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually had a couple guys on the podcast that were um, pretty much experts in real estate in Colombia. Um, running Airbnbs and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so we, we've talked a bit on this show about how to get residency in Colombia through buying real estate. Um, there's mm-hmm. other ways to get, uh, to get residency in, in Colombia without buying real estate, um, but real estate's probably the most common path. Um, I know there's another program in Brazil. I've touched on this in the podcast in the past um, and looked into it a bit. And uh, Brazil actually has a similar program for buying real estate and actually similar yes. thre- similar threshold, like kind of around the 100, 120K US mark um, before yes. fees in terms of the, the value of the property that you need to acquire. Um, so actually at a, a surface level in terms of like requirements, sort of similar programs. Um, yes. How, how, how much have you looked into it? Uh, not much, not much. Uh, like I didn't dig much, but like what I know about this program is that when you invest in the, in the North is cheaper than if you invest in the South, AKA Sao Paulo, Santa Catarina, because here it's more developed more while the North, there is still a lot Mm -hmm. to do. So they try to encourage like people to inject some money in there. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, uh, but like I didn't dig that much into that like uh, when I came in here. 
Yeah, I think I think actually all of Brazil is pretty much on sale. Uh, the Brazilian uh, real is has gone down uh, quite a lot. N- not recently, it went up like the last month, six percent up. Oh, like wow. my cost of living is like six percent up. While in Colombia, I checked, it's still the same level with the dollar. Yeah, kind of makes sense actually because it's such a commodity-driven economy and. Yes, um, we're, exactly. we're, we're facing a lot of inflation. And so exactly. Brazil is actually a bit of an inflation hedge. Very good point. Very good point. Very good point. Yes. Yes. This is, this is exactly what is happening. My, my main fear around the, well, I have a couple um, preoccupations around the Brazil program, but I mean, I, I would definitely love to read or watch someone's firsthand experience doing it because um, the steps involved did not look easy. Uh, you definitely, definitely, definitely it's need a bureaucracy. lawyer. You need a, yes. the bureaucracy is insane. Yes. Like in Colombia, yes. it's pretty doable. Colombia is pretty doable, but I think the bureaucracy that you're going to face um, in Brazil, you know, attempting to do the exact same program is going to yeah, be true. is going to be significantly more more arduous. Yes, true, true. Uh, like I took a very different path, like um, because as being a permanent resident in here, and I can eventually ask for my passport. Like uh, I have this this uh, right now, and and like like what I'm doing is a different path as I'm leveraging the money of the bank to mm. buy the real estate. So so this way I'm also hedging because you don't know where the economy. Imagine you inject one hundred thousand in a property in Brazil to get this residency and like the money of Brazil goes down 30%. So you shrink to your money. Actually, it's not an investment. You have like your, your the value of your, your money is $70,000. So you lost 30%. Well, in on paper. <laughs> um... uh, yeah. Yeah. On paper. But like, if you check the last five years, Brazil, versus the US uh, dollar lost 60% or something. Mm. Yeah, I think the thing one of the things about real estate in Latin America is for how hard it is to buy, it's probably way harder to sell and get out of the market. So that's something to consider. Um, uh, for depends. some context. Yeah. Balnario is very easy to sell. It's very easy to sell. Yes. Uh, like real estate in here, it's something really crazy in the city. Like it's the second to Sao Paulo, a huge demand prices going up 10% per year. And, uh, like you put your apartment for sale, it's sold. I, I it's definitely want to get city. to talking about, uh, Balneario Camberu because yeah, sure. um, I think, I think most Americans, uh, they don't know. Most people in general, they don't know about it. They don't but know what's going on there is actually crazy. But I want to come. I yes. want to come back to it a little bit later. Um, sure. Kind of when we, we'll get around to the fun stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, so just to give like a little bit of context, so you became a, a permanent resident. You said in Brazil. Yes. How, how did you manage to wing that? Well, I, I was dating a Brazilian, and when you date a Brazilian, uh, like uh, like you can you can do with her like the Indian style thing. It's like uh, I don't know what is the equivalent in English. Uh, I know it in French, Indian style, and then then you 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 get granted your your residency. So 
this is exactly the what's happened. Interesting. Yeah. And like ma- the majority of gringos in here, like uh, when they come, they have a girlfriend and like they, they do this so, you know, they can stay longer. Otherwise, they need to go out like to another country and come back after six months. Mm-hmm. So the majority who are living in here, Polish, uh, American, like this is like the way. And so you don't even have to get married. It's just like, a, no, like no, living in the same get, household. Yeah. As long as you live in the same house, uh, household and stuff, like it's fine. Damn, that's yeah. crazy. I've never, I've never heard about that being <laughs> mentioned. Yeah. So as long as you have like, this is like all, all the foreign girls living in here, all my friends, like that, that's the exact same path. Like that. I know that, that they followed. So, once you find a good girl and like you 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 are like you have a good couple relationship and stuff, then you can go for this. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And so would would uh, Brazil be your only residency, and then Morocco your only passport, or uh, do you have a couple other things? I'm 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 thinking about actually. I've checked like you had an episode about Saint Kilt. Uh, mm-hmm. It's something I'm considering uh for the third passport one of the islands eventually third passport all oh, right because yes. you'll get the brazil soon yeah because you've been there a while and so i think it's you know five years as a permanent resident four uh, only four. four i have more than four in here yes so i guess you probably have heard a lot of like on the ground uh information from other gringos. So I'd be curious to hear or other people doing the naturalization Mm -hmm. process. So I'd be curious to hear what have you heard in terms of how long after you submit your documents, you submit everything, the birth certificate, the whatever, um, and you apply for citizenship, how long do you think it'll take for them to actually process your application, recognize you, and then get that passport appointment? So all the good stuff. So um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> welcome. So there is there is uh, various path. When when you have a girlfriend, for example, in my case, uh, like like I could have asked for the passport after one year because when you have a Brazilian girlfriend, after one year you are eligible to go and ask for the naturalization. It just like uh, like uh, we we have split before before this, and I wasn't very interested in this. Like it wasn't the highest priority. Actually, right now I can go and ask, and I'm not asking because it's not a priority. But like uh, the other thing is, once you spend four years as a resident in Brazil, then again you have the right to get the naturalization, or if you come to Brazil with your wife and your wife have a child in 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 brazil and then mm-hmm. uh like by default your child is brazilian and transmit the nationality so i i believe there is these three ways then you have the investors one so you invest in the real estate and there is injecting money into some startups in brazil this is also mm-hmm. another way doing it mm-hmm. so like these are the most common ways but like most of the foreign girls, the French living in here and everything, like they have a girlfriend uh, and like this is, or or a girl have her boyfriend in Brazil and they do it this way and they do the same thing back in France when the boyfriend, girlfriend go there. 
Yeah, I've de- I've I've heard about, of course, the real estate way. I've heard about the uh, investing in startups way. Um, I've heard about they they in in sort of internationalization circles. They talk a lot about the baby one, where you can yeah. just go have a baby, and then uh, after yes. a year as a resident, you can become a citizen. And yes. I don't know why the internationalization circles aren't talking more about the fact that you can just be like in a couple with someone and not even be yeah. married for a year and do it. Cause that's, a, that's a lot easier than uh, having a baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like it actually, it's, it's exactly like being married at the end. Cause like, like you go to the cartorio and you sign papers and stuff and like, sp- like splitting the, 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 um, like apartment and stuff or the not cost. you yeah, yeah not the, not the cost like uh, the assets that you have you have a car okay. this kind of stuff and uh, like it's serious thing <laughs> still uh, right it sort of gives her a right yeah. to your access and, and but... yeah and it no you can for example in my case like i i said uh, we don't we don't split the assets like what is mine is mine what is yours is yours and uh, it's like there is some bureaucracy like I had to to take a, a, an attorney to take care of this and everything, but yeah, this is this is a, a way to to do it. Like you find a good person. And, and and so like what is what's a, it called again in Portuguese and in French? Union stable. In French, it's okay, union, stable. Union stable. Stable union. Oh shit. Yeah, stable union. Oh, stable union. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is it. This is it. And like this is the common path if you check on like uh, all the groups uh, of gringos and stuff. Like it's the easiest, the easiest way. The girl likes you, you like her. So hey, let's solve this and let's live happily together. <laughs> that's awesome. And then so yeah, that's a huge tip for anyone listening. Um, and then they should definitely go look in the Facebook groups, the whatever Brazil for yeah, expats like group, Facebook uh, groups. Yeah, there is one. It's Gringos. Uh, this is like the the main group. Uh, I will send you the link if you can add it to the show note or something. Yeah, sure. Uh, sure. I think it's a it's a very good uh, place to gather some some information. Gringos, thousands of Gringos and expat living in here. Yeah, please send me that. Sure. Um, one, one more thing. Sorry to cut mm-hmm. you. Just one more thing that is important is that like once you once you do this. Uh, like uh, to you apply for the naturalization it takes something like up to one year to one year and a half so this is also something that you need to keep in mind it's not instant that, that's what i was going to ask so one yeah. one to one and a half years sounds yeah that sounds uh, so, very optimistic to me <laughs> no 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 this is this is exactly the time it takes like the for example if you are married so they need to come and check if you are really married and like do their investigation and stuff like even for me in my case with my ex-girlfriend like they they they, they did some check like uh, are you really like they asked me what color she likes what's what's the color of x this and i was wrong on everything at the end but anyway <laughs> <laughs> that was a crazy situation like like i don't know the girl i don't know her very very like we know each other yeah, but like there is some checks like that, and when you ask for naturalização uh, to get like uh, the the Brazilian passport, uh, 
there will be way more checks and they will ask you for like the criminal records even for the union stuff mm-hmm. they ask for the criminal records for for mm-hmm. everything like they're gonna check everything about you before moving forward with you it, it's bureaucracy uh but yeah uh it, it, this is how, how it's okay in any country uh, uh anyway even in morocco you go there and you want to get like like the residency it's a pain in the ass Mm-hmm. No, and I, I appreciate you sharing this because obviously, you know, you're not an immigration lawyer. Um, this is all just kind of what we've learned uh, on the path. But this is stuff yeah. that's extremely interesting to digital nomads. Where, and it's like, where can I live? How do I get set up? Yeah, like this is how I start for most of my friends like that came in here. They came as a digital nomad and then they fell in love with the country like from Australia, from from the UK, they come in here and like they they have normal expectation, and then they see how Brazil is, and they are like, "This is the place where I want to live." And this is the kind of alpha, as we say, that is shared in our circles. The ways doing the thing. Okay, what's the alpha? This what I just uh, the information. Alpha, like, like inside info crypto crypto yeah. term yeah the, the yeah this is like the kind of inside info right 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 the the return in excess of the mean yeah <laughs> cool i like it and um i imagine that uh balneario Camberu, where you are now which is um for context for people it's a Beach town in Santa Catarina State in southern Brazil. Yes. Um, yes. Really close to Florianopolis, but actually on the mainland. So Florianopolis mm-hmm. is an island. And then on the yeah. mainland, mainland close by is Camboriú. Uh, um, and I, I first learned about Camboriú because I spent quite a bit of time in Paraguay. And a lot oh, of per, uh, Paraguayans, they uh, they, they, yeah, they go to Camboriú. And they, it's very yeah. famous for them as like, as like yeah. their... Uh, summer it's their beach. like, it's like their beach. The, beach, the beach destination is Volnari Camboriú like it's full of Paraguay you go out like Argentinian way less right now because their money is going down so mm-hmm. we see less Argentinian recently but Paraguay a lot a lot that's really funny <laughs> yeah yeah there's even, there's even a song that's like it's like a Paraguayan song about Camboriú <laughs> that that's crazy that's crazy yeah and but then like, what's also uh, cool about Camboriú is you, you you have to tell us a little bit about uh what's going on from like a real estate perspective there but you know it's got yeah. i think the tallest towers in brazil yes. or at least the tallest yes. towers outside of sao paulo and the yes. skyline looks insane like the skyline yes looks it's it's bigger than panama it's bigger than cartagena i think yes it's the skyline of this beach is insane like the amount of 40 50 story buildings lining this place and And it's it's nothing where does the economy come where does the money come from like it's all brand new yeah this city is really crazy like like uh the money is coming from investors like people see the valuation it's a small spot of a small city so they can only grow vertically right now, not horizontal. Uh, yeah, not horizontally because of like balance. Yeah, because they are a little bit limited, and the the price mm-hmm. of each piece of land is going to 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 the roof, and uh, like 
The city why everyone wants to come in here is a small town of 120,000 inhabitants. It's just the last statistic, I believe right now it's way more than this. That And in the summer, it reached up to 1 million in the new mm-hmm. year, to 1 million and a half. And mm-hmm. everyone dream about coming and living. Like in all Brazil, you say, Balnara Comboriu, they say, oh, I dream to live in there. And when people come in here, happen to them what happened to us when we go to a Latin American country and we fall in love and want to stay. Like somebody comes from Sao Paulo and he doesn't want to go back there. So all these people coming in here, they need a place to live. And this is why, like, there is all the time some demand, plus those who see the opportunity and invest. And, and like, I believe this is how the thing is growing. Plus, the city have safety. It's very safe. It's got, like, all the leisures that you find in a big city, the biggest clubs of electronic music. Uh, in we can say in Latin America we have like Warung and Green Valley, so all these all these things adds up uh, the cleanliness of the city, uh, and all of these things adds up in the valuation of the metro quadrado, the the meter square meter, yeah square meter. Like there is many many re- plus people are very educated in here. Um, uh, you don't feel you don't feel you get that feel of like south of Spain maybe like if you are in Marbella, uh, Puerto Banos, it's more that feeling like a lot of sport cars, a lot of like fancy stuff, mm-hmm. and it's quite the spot of the elite of Brazil, I believe, or, or at least of the south of Brazil. And for the skyscraper, like. Um, we have some of the tallest, uh, not only in Brazil, but also in, in Latin America among the, the top 10. And they would be higher. They're working on some, some, some skyscrapers higher. And we have also celebrities, like the one you are talking about. Neymar got a, 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 a triplex in there. And Juan Santana, a famous singer in here. So all mm-hmm. these little details, you add one to another one to another one. It gives the valuation of uh, the real estate in the city. It's a whole combo of things. Yeah, I've seen uh, photos of them uh, like redoing the beach in the sand, and they like made yeah. the sand like way, way long, like way more yes. extended. This is good for real estate. Very good for mm-hmm. real estate. It means like more people coming and enjoying the beach longer because we had an issue in here. Like once it's three p.m., you can't enjoy the beach because the skyscrapers are covering like uh, there is no there is no sun mm. and like people were leaving the beach at four right now we have like a way larger la- larger space so so yeah and like they are working like the 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 prefeito like the guy in charge here like he's all the time doing things and making some partnerships like recently in dubai because they call this Balnario Comboriu the Brazilian Dubai. Right. And he's trying to make partnerships with the real, like go to Dubai and bring in some investments here to do some other stuff. And like, that's funny. They, it, it doesn't stop. Like, I go walk on the street today, tomorrow I walk on the same street, there is something new that is popping. It's insane. It's like Sao Paulo, it's got like that feel of big cities. 
Well, small cities, they are not like that. Like what you see today, you see tomorrow after tomorrow. Here it's And so it's right now in, I guess like the high, you must be kind of in the end of the high season, if I'm guessing now. Uh, there is still the carnival, I believe it's, right, right. Uh, it's uh, by the end of this month. Then March, mm-hmm. it's, it, it starts to lower in and then we get into the winter. And so like... I guess in March, there's still like 600,000 people in, in the 100,000 person city, I guess. And then I believe, by, yes. <laughs> and I then believe. by June, July, it kind of. So. <laughs> you you know, there is something crazy in here. Another thing is that we don't know people from Balnari Comburi. Like we go in a group of friends and we ask, where are you from? I'm from Sao Paulo. Where are you from? I'm from here, from there. No one is from Balnari Comburi. And right. everyone came here like two months ago, six months ago. Like it's a it's a city of Brazilian immigrants. <laughs> That's good. Oh, oh my dude, you're hyping it up for me. I've been meaning to go for a while because I I like it, it's been one of those things that's been on my list where I was like, yo, I know if I just got a a, a sick Airbnb in in Camberu, I'd be yeah. crushing it. I'd be having so much fun. Uh, yes, yes. If <laughs> you like having fun, like this is paradise. I had a friend who came from Austria recently, like he, he said, man, like this city, he'd, he'd been traveling all over South America and Latin America. He said Balnario is another level. He had a, like, he came here for one week, he ended up staying like two weeks or something. It's, That's unreal. It's a hidden gem, you know, it's the hidden gem because no one is talking about it. People, you know why? Because it's very, o- 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 it's very Brazilian very o- though, as much as it's international, like, like people know yeah. Florianopolis and but maybe not Cambrio. Yeah, because it's a small town that is popping very fast. It's growing very fast. Like people more will, more people marketing. will learn. Uh, yeah, it's, it's coming. Yes. How would you how would you actually compare uh, Florianopolis and Cambrio? There must be a rivalry because they're kind of the two uh, the two hot spots of the state of Santa Catarina. You know. You will never see somebody from Florianopolis in here. Like, it's very rare. We don't see people from there. Not because there's rivality, but because they have everything in Floripa. Like, it's also an amazing piece of paradise. And, uh, like, it's quite rare. Like, people in here, you find people from all the other states, but Florianopolis, no, because they already have everything in there. Personally, I find Florianopolis a bit boring as a city. And I like to go to any beach, it takes you like 30 minutes uh, and there is a lot of traffic, a lot of while here, you know, you want to meet with some friends, five minutes. Hey, I'm coming. I'm taking my skate. You do everything by skate. Skateboard? (laughs) Yeah. I have an electric skate in here. Like Uh, you do the whole city in 10 minutes. So it attracts a different crowd, Florianopolis versus Cambrio. Mm, it, no, it's quite the same. It, it just here is more the fancy place, like. But also in Florianopolis, they have the spot that is called Jurere Jurere Internacional, and it's like mm-hmm. Lamborghinis, Ferraris, and this kind of stuff. You just in here, it's the whole city that is like that. And if you had to sort of guess at sort of like the the makeup of people in Camberu, I imagine you know there's probably a lot of people from Curitiba. Um, and then, you know, maybe a bunch of people from the North or like, what's, what's sort of like, you know, what's sort of like the percentage breakdown? You you, you feel, you feel, you feel that in like, 
if you were in Germany or something like a lot of German names, a lot of a lot of because uh, people when they imagine Brazil, they think Rio de Janeiro, and Brazil is not just Rio. Rio de Janeiro is just a place. Like you go to you go to Manaus, it's a different culture, different different like way of speaking, different. Uh, many things like everything changed from a state to another and and like here the majority the biggest part they are gaúchos uh, i think you are might be familiar with the term uh, like yep yeah like cowboys from, from southern yeah 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 yeah, yeah. the ca- kind of the cowboys and like they are mostly uh, coming from from the south from from porto alegre and and that part then we have some people coming from curitiba and Curitiba is, for example, uh, Curitiba and Paraná is what we call in Brazil like Russia because there is a lot of Russian descent and <laughs> Polish. So when you come in here in Valnar, you like you feel like you, not the Brazil that you see. Like everyone is blonde, blue eyes, and this kind of of things. And something that like boggled the mind of people that come from abroad and imagine the Brazil is mm-hmm. Rio de Janeiro. Uh, here, here, there is a very different composition. It's like Sao Paulo. You find a lot of Japanese, Brazilian, mm-hmm. and and uh, this is also like like shocked a lot of people that came here. Even Japanese, they came and they were wow. There's a lot of Japanese, but they speak Portuguese. It sounds awesome, man. It sounds awesome. I yeah. I guess for context for people, I've spent time in Rio, Sao Paulo. Uh, Foz de Iguazu, Ilha Bela, but I haven't made it down to the south. And and you know what? I w- I'm, I'm very torn if I did go to Brazil, what my next adventure would be. I've always wanted to do the whole north and do like Lençóis Maranhenses and Jericoacoara oh, and, and Pipa I've been to and stuff like that. So that's like that, that stuff's really cool too, but Cam- Cambria is cool too. So it's yeah, um, it's good to it's good to hear um, a little mm. bit of both. <laughs> My recommendation: if you come like in June, just go to the north because right uh, the temperature. Unless if you like winter, uh, right. I'm not a very winter guy. Like personally, I'm planning to escape. I might go to Colombia or something. Uh, because yeah, yeah, winter in here it's not that interesting. So July, August, September, just. Don't come to Balnario. <laughs> and a little bit of a segue here, but um, uh-huh. I remember when I was in Iguazu and Ciudad del Este, Paraguay, there's an enormous Arab population. Um, oh, yeah, they have area. Lebanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah a, lot a lot of Lebanese, Lebanese. people, like, like yes. 100,000 plus. Yes, um, yes, crazy. I, I, crazy. I, I've, I was meeting um, you know, people that they were – Brazilian, but their dad was Lebanese, and so they would like yeah. speak Arabic with their dad, speak English with me, speak Spanish with the yeah. or, with the Paraguayans, and uh, it was extremely multicultural. <laughs> and you know, I'd go get uh, shawarma or like a lomito, um, and and like and like the the guys are like speaking Arabic to each other, you know, like two brothers like yelling at each other, and I'm just like, wow, this reminds me of Montreal. In, in insane yeah 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 even in sao paulo like there is some places where you have a lot of arabs even here like here we have a little street in balnari Comburi. we have two actually you have a place where you go to repair your phone and buy phones and buy tech mm-hmm. stuff you know it's like normally these places are are talken by the chinese but here it's talking by the arabs like a lot of iraqi a lot of uh, syrian lebanese egyptian 
And we have mm-hmm. also a street in here where there is a place like Habibi and like it's full of, <laughs> of hookah and like, well, it's, it's yeah. a little Arab dis- district. Brazilians yeah. like hookah. They like it a lot. They use it a lot. Like you go on the beach, they are using it everywhere, everywhere. They smoke a <laughs> lot. So the, the, segue, the segue was kind of going to be about language learning because you're an international guy. I know you speak a lot mm-hmm. of languages. I guess first mm-hmm. I was just curious if you, you know, you probably do get to use your Arabic in Brazil a little bit and probably more than most people would expect. Because I think most people don't oh. expect uh, Brazil to be so Arabic, especially uh, how we were talking about how, how um, some of the backgrounds. Well, and, but uh, so, yeah. And the, yeah, so we'll start there. Not not that much the Arabic. I don't use it because like there is not a lot of connection with the Arab world in here. Like unless if I go to buy something or because uh, culturally, I believe Moroccan were very different from the Arab. We are North African. It's a different mm-hmm. thing. Even our language, we speak a different. It's a dialect mixed with our native language. We are not. Mm-hmm. We are fake Arabs, kind of. No, and I, and I know, and I know this because I actually watched some of your uh, YouTube channel, uh, Adil uh-huh. Math North Africa. So I was yeah. listening. I was literally listening to you talk about payment processing um, in uh, Moroccan Arabic, and I yeah. couldn't believe how much Spanish you, or sorry, how much uh, French, French you were French. like mixing in. Yes, so it's like exactly. when you're speaking Moroccan Arabic, you're speaking probably like almost twenty percent French. Exactly. It is due to the colonization. We've been colonized by the French and you go to Morocco, we speak a lot of French. So this is the thing, like it's very different from the Arab world, like um, culturally and the language, the food, we eat couscous and well, there is another thing. So I didn't use that much the Arabic unless if I go to buy some phone and I see the guy trying to scam me or something, I say, hey, Habibi, <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> Uh, other, other than this, like uh, not much. Uh, uh, most of the time English because I, I have a lot of uh, friend like uh, expats living in here and Portuguese, mm-hmm. a lot of Portuguese and Moroccan and Moroccan with my friends. Mm-hmm. And like you, 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 you know, you're, you're juggling a lot of languages and I guess, yeah. I, you know, maybe some of our listeners out there, um, they might only speak English or they might speak English and then kind of you know, broken conversational Spanish or Portuguese. That's kind of where I am, uh, <laughs> if I uh. humbly say so. And then, uh, so like, what would your advice be to someone who's aspiring to be a polyglot and speak, you know, five languages like yourself? Yeah, uh, six. <laughs> I speak six. Uh, I, I will, no, no, because there is the dialect Moroccan Derija and then there is the Arabic. Right. The one that I use from time to time. Then Spanish and Portuguese and French, English. And my advice is like when you, for example, when I came to Brazil, I was saying just some, like everything was wrong from what I was saying, but I was trying at least and communicating with people from the place, native in their language. Because I see a lot of gringos coming in here and like trying to find people speaking English uh, to communicate only in English. And it's Mm -hmm. not the way that you, you 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 got to like communicate with people and like practice it's all about practicing and i believe that all the language that they have some words that we use all the time like uh, you need to crack this 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 you know some some words we use all the time like the basics 
I think everyone should learn this. There's some apps for this, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, go go speaky. I think there's go. <laughs> you know it? No, just a funny name. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you need to practice. It's, it's it's that simple. Eventually, watching some movies with the subtitle in English. I was doing this before coming to Brazil. Like I was watching some Brazilian movies with subtitle in in English, and that helped me, like, um, get some more vocabulary, add in some more vocabulary. But like the easiest way is like getting in the battlefield and speaking. You know, like survive. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was thinking we could switch gears a bit and talk a little bit more about uh, payment processing. Talk about. Sure. What it's like to, I believe you have a lot of um, clients from emerging markets and people that yes. you work with from emerging markets. And I think um, it's kind of a different dynamic than um, than other people that are doing online business, but primarily just transacting within the United States, for example. Um, yeah. And then so we could kind of, yeah. And then, and then um, after that, maybe just talk a little bit about crypto. So yeah, sure. Um, What's what's okay. like the payment process? Yeah, so where do you, you seem like no, you have an ahead. idea of where you want to start? <laughs> no, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I noticed. Um, I think Stripe is available in Brazil. Um, yes, I was looking at payment solutions a bit because I was looking. I've I've toyed with the idea of starting a business in Paraguay. Maybe we could talk about mm-hmm. Paraguay too. I I think you should look into it. Um, sure. if you want to build your, your international, um, residency portfolio, um, I think it's yeah, something it's you a- might want to look at, but, and, and, in in Paraguay, there's no Stripe, uh, but I learned about Payoneer, um, in Paraguay. And I know that you've actually been working with Payoneer I, I, extensively as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. I've been the ambassador of Payoneer, uh, until like last year, uh, because like I'm switching focus a bit. Uh, to crypto but yeah uh pioneer but pioneer is just like to send it sending money from uh somebody to it's like a bank it's a virtual bank account it's similar to wise actually it's quite the same thing as wise um Mm -hmm. but like actually when i started my channel it, it, it was like Mainly, I wanted to focus on dropshipping and e-commerce. It's just that I had a lot of demand for payment processing after my video on payment processing. And mm-hmm. I've seen that like there was a huge need for that. Like uh, People were depending on, on the thing. So I, I switched and I started making content for payment processing. And uh, Brazil, actually, we don't consider Brazil because Brazil, there is all the high-tech things that are in here. Like we have Stripe, we have anything. New Bank is, is Brazilian. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So Brazil, it's another league. It's like the first world countries uh, in, in, in the payment processing. Uh, m- like my, my customers and my viewers, they're not Brazilian. They are mostly Paraguay, for example. Yeah. Uh, a lot of uh, Eastern Europe, Ukraine, um, a lot of Serbia, a lot of Serbian parceros, um, Albania and these countries. And the problem is that, like, when you want to sell uh, on an e-commerce store and sell internationally, you don't have with Shopify. The majority use Shopify or WooCommerce, and they they are very limited. They don't have a solution to process payments. And Stripe is by far the best, uh, and, and like like the smoothest one. So I cracked the code of this, and I've been sharing like the strategies on on. 
on how to get a Stripe account. And I've built some partnerships, like I'm partner with the First Formations. It's like the first company incorporating uh, and opening LTDs and companies for, for people in from abroad in the UK. Like they are very mm-hmm. big in the UK. And I'm kind of ambassador for them also uh, as of today. And uh, like... I show people how to open like a company with, with, for example, first formation and how to get a, the whole strategy for getting a fully working Stripe account and verified and all this kind of stuff. Because when, when you are born the wrong side of the map, <laughs> like, like myself, and uh, you need to leverage this company that is in the UK, for example, it's, it's like, uh, it's like a proxy. Uh, to get access to these things that you don't have access mm-hmm. to. So you do it through the company. At first, it was a US company. Then I found the solution for the UK company and I started sharing because it's more like it's cheaper and takes less time. And and knowing that the majority were from emerging markets and not everyone have the money to afford like the cost of a company in the US that is like three to four times more expensive than the UK one. So I've been sharing this kind of stuff. And people opening the business and 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 like doing their their stuff. So overall, that was it for 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 the payment processing. I also have a program that is very advanced where I share like more advanced strategies and stuff, payment processing secrets. But like the major, like my content on YouTube is more than useful for anyone stuck. If uh, if somebody is coming, and actually, you know, there is even like in people watching my content, even some digital nomads that are in some countries and like they spend mm-hmm. a lot of time in there and they want to open a business. Sometimes they need strategies like like that for their their business, mm-hmm. like even from Europe or. And I think what's yeah. cool about what you're doing is. you're not really emphasizing like go offshore, low tax, blah, blah, blah. It's not about that at all. It's like YouTube, it's like literally just how can I accept payments in my own country, in my own bank account? And like, I'm happy to pay the tax, but I just need a way to like get paid. (laughs) Yeah, this kind of stuff are more advanced. I I share this kind of stuff, but like more in, in like in my mentorship and stuff. But like mm-hmm. on YouTube, I keep it basic. Just go and start making some money. Like, don't worry about this kind of stuff. Make some money. Make your business moving. Have some cash flow, and then you're gonna solve it on the go. Like, I I try to not complicate the process. Uh, go offshore and do this and do. And this is offshore actually, because opening a company in the UK, this is offshore. Yeah, in that example, it would be. So tell, tell us a bit about your, your mentorship and what, what do you actually do for the advanced clients? Well, uh, like this this year, I stopped. I have just one inner circle with some very successful entrepreneurs and investors. Like they are more playing in the seven figures, more or less. And, uh, and this is like a small circle where we share all the alpha and like, to get in this circle, it's more like customers who've been already in all my programs because uh, we need to be like familiar a bit, you know, and have some trust and, and stuff. So, 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 like this is my most advanced mentorship. I have also uh, payment processing secret. Like this is where I share everything about incorporating in the UK, the taxes, uh, having Stripe, and all this kind of stuff. 
I have another program that is Crypto Wealth Accelerator that that is cover, that covers everything about crypto, how to invest in crypto, how to invest in the gamify, the DeFi, uh, play to earn. It's like it's a heavy, heavy, heavy program. Very, very good stuff. And then yeah, so I have these programs, and I have uh, and I have the inner circle mentorship, and this one is very close. Like uh, right now, I'm not. For example, not taking new 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 mentees. Interesting. Yeah, I've been getting more familiar with the high end mentorship model um, and some of the businesses that I've been working on and uh, looking to potentially implement something like that for my Latin life in the future. Um, yeah, you so should. I do find it interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is a lot of um, something like uh, nomad capitalist. Mm hmm. Maybe, uh, yeah, we, we, the, yeah, the way that's literally it. That's literally what I say is that we're trying to be like nomad capitalists for Latin America. And this year we're, there's going to be a big focus on talking about, you know, second residencies, passports, international, investing in Latin America. And yeah, I mean, Brazil's a big, big part of that. Because, you know, in the big picture, uh, my plan is like uh, in the vision that I'm working on, like one of the steps is bringing investors here to 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 Brazil and to Balneário Camboriú and to grow the community in here. This is something also like I I already have like for example one guy an Algerian guy in my mentorship this inner circle he's coming here uh, in two or three months to establish in Balneário Camboriú. So this is also something I'm working on. So like we can we can do we can connect for this and do stuff together if you want. I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, so let me ask you sort of an advanced question and, um, you know, you, you only have to answer as much as you want, but okay. my big concern about uh, becoming a Brazilian permanent resident is the tax implications because I think the way I've looked at how they define um, you as a tax resident, the Brazilian government, and it's either mm -hmm. spending more than six months of the year in Brazil, or I think even if you spend less than six months, but you're a permanent resident, you're still considered a tax resident. And I, I don't really want to like get into the Brazil tax web. I think it would just, I, it's not worth it just for me to live there or, or whatever. So, yeah, but my experience has also been that on the ground, things are often, like quite quite different than what it says like exactly. on paper. Yeah, things are very different on the ground than on paper, and um, yeah, you you just need to have some good accountant. Uh, like this is like the the best way to do it. Like the majority of my gringo friends living in here, they are, they have like accountant who takes care of this because the accountant is local and he knows how works everything. While you are a foreigner and you don't know much about taxes and stuff you know mm -hmm. do you think at a high level if you're a digital nomad you know you make all your money in the u.s or uk or whatever and you just want to buy a, an apartment and, and chill on the beach in brazil and and not get hassled um is that is that possible yes it is oh sorry oh yeah it is it's 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 possible it's possible doing it like uh to buy real estate as an investor, I believe that like uh, they don't tax a lot 
for this i believe i'm not very sure about this like yeah and it's not about the, the investment capital. itself like i think everyone's happy to pay like a little property tax on the on the property or whatever it's more just uh -huh. about um you know it would be cool like at a high level i think the i think investment residency programs are really cool whether it be turkey or colombia or brazil or whatever buy a property and you get a free permanent residency with it sounds great right but the only thing is like, I just don't, yeah, I just don't want to get, and I'm happy to pay pr like property tax on that property or whatever, keep it up to date. Um, but uh, I just don't want to like be thrown into, I want to kind of get the rights to like be able to live there a bit if I want to, but I don't want to get thrown into that tax net if it's not. I, I never, one, at least. I, I've, <laughs> I've never heard any story of somebody suffering from the taxes in here, from the gringos living in here, like. I know a lot that have their their properties in here and everything, and it's fine as long as you you pay your annual tax, the ITPU, that you need to mm -hmm. pay, and then the tax of the 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 cleaning and this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know. How <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, they have another yeah. tax, and uh, uh, yeah, ambiental like. Uh, Anyway, there's another tax, and then you have the ITPU. It's something like it's not some big amount, and that's it. Like nothing crazy, nothing to worry about. Uh, you don't. Yeah, I just wouldn't want them to like be. I, I just wouldn't wouldn't want it to be like a worldwide income thing. I I don't believe that. Like there's a lot of people investing in Brazil, and like I've never heard anyone who got some issues or something about yeah, taxes for having a property in brazil i never heard such a story because it won't make sense you know you have your your property or paying the itpu that you have if you rent it you're gonna pay the tax for renting it i believe there is another tax but like that's it nothing no, it's, crazy it's, it's good and, and sorry i'm giving you a bit of a hard time about it but i do think it's extremely important um but yeah i mean i i um, no, dude, we, we should definitely like one of the yeah i do want to use my Latin life as a way for um, people uh, pr probably primarily from North America to diversify into Latin America, to invest in Latin America, buy property and stuff like that. And one of the big things I am thinking of figuring out a way to do is um, allowing people to buy like turnkey real estate um, where it's, you know, there's a property manager Hopefully there's some income coming in to at least cover the costs, rent it out or something, uh, or at least just buy, like just sort of simplifying the buying process. Because mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people would be down to buy a hundred k house here, a hundred k house there, blah blah blah. And even if it doesn't make money, just as a uh, sort of like inflation hedge and uh, yeah. uh, store store it, of value, it, it, as long it's as it's really easy. It really depends calling it uh, an inflation hedge. Like, for example, for me, if it was like sending my money like to buy the real estate with my own money and not just like uh, like uh, uh, you pay just the down payment, I wouldn't do it in Brazil. Definitely not because I'm not very confident in the currency. And if it goes like 20% down over the five years, I want to be hedging anything at the end of the story. Uh, so this is also something to consider unless you are if you are very confident in the Brazilian economy so just check open you know an app to check like how it's evolving the reais versus the US dollar so this is one thing the other thing is that like 
in case you have some, somebody who wants to invest in here, it's good to have an attorney. Like I have a good team of attorneys uh, who mm-hmm. took care of this. Like mm-hmm. I don't sign anything because here it's a lot of bureaucracy. And normal people yeah, don't do this of, way. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't give them the power of attorney. Just like they were along all the process. Normal people don't go this route. I just wanted to go this route because I didn't have time to go check all the documents and everything. I had a team and they were working and I just sign whenever there's something to sign. And like they do the... And if it is someone in this situation, in my opinion, it's good having some attorneys or one attorney to take care of this. Because otherwise it's a headache. It's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things to check, a lot of verification and... Mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing this one uh, American guy. Um, his name was like uh, Entrepreneur Life. He was like this uh, bald black guy. And he was looking at, and he's done some YouTube videos about buying real estate I know in him. Uh, Buzios um, and in mm-hmm. Rio. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, I think what, no, I'm talking about another one. Passport Heavy. No. Oh, Passport Heavy. Yeah, yeah, Jabril. Yeah. That's a good one too. Buzios, yeah, I don't I, know. Buzios, it's Rio de Janeiro. For me, I see here Rio de Janeiro like a war zone. Personally, I don't like it much there because it's it's a bit. I don't know. Uh, like I know you mean. For, yeah, yeah. I prefer way, way more investing in Sao Paulo or here in 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 Balneário Camboriú, eventually Itajaí, a city that is close and that have a huge potential. Rio de Janeiro, it's a dirty city. They don't take care of it. There's a lot of crime, you know. But again, each one is different. Well, I mean, Buzios and Ajao do, do Cabo is like two hours from Rio. But yeah, I get what you're it's saying. The so same, it's, it's the same, same state. Thing. Yeah, it's the same, same state. state and same same laws, same because each state is different. So the same bureaucracy, the same. Yeah, but maybe that's a good it's a point. good point. That's a, that's a yeah. very good point, actually. Yeah. Okay, cool, man. Um, so maybe now we could uh, talk a little bit about how you sort of moved from uh, payment processing into crypto. Um, actually, I, I do still have one or two more questions about payment processing and stuff. So I think you, you in your videos, you recommend people from emerging markets set up either a US company or a UK company. When is one uh, the better situation for someone? When? How do you know what's the right fit for you? Well, if you just want to have a, a payment processing and process payments and stuff, like the UK company is... And it really depends. Uh, for somebody from Europe, I, I believe it might be different. But like the UK company is very fast to set up and very cheap to set up also. And um, even tax-wise, I believe that the UK company gets more advantages than the US. And it's it, it, it's smoother than the US. So mm-hmm. this is why like, I orient right now. But even like, even a US company is a, is a good thing, you know, uh, for like so, some, some businesses, for example, like there is some, some, uh, some platforms for example, that only accept a U.S. company and not a U.K. company. So in this case, it's better going with a U.S. company. Actually, these companies are, are mainly used to unlock stuff 
from that country and that are unlocked for that country. So let's say that there is a business and they don't do business with UK companies. So in this situation, you're going to create a, a US company so you can do business with, with, with this one or use their service or mm-hmm. so, so, but like most of Definitely the cases, the 80, 80%, 80% of the cases, a UK company will do most of the things. Okay, that's good. That's interesting. I never really considered that. Um, and uh, I, I kind of wanted to touch on this before, but like, how do you treat an emerging market client differently than like a f- first world client? I hate to put it that way, because I, I used to work for uh, part time, I used to help out this influencer. And he literally removed Brazilian subtitles from his videos, so that he wouldn't get Brazilian clients because he just kind of thought it was a waste of time. They didn't have any purchasing power. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're trying to sell like high ticket products, you know, in the multi thousand dollars or, or five figures. And so just one example. No, this, I, this and is, yeah, maybe that is wrong, but <laughs> like, how do you, like, is, do you, do you consider that maybe emerging market clients have less purchasing have, power, but, but it's uh, less competition or. Well, let me explain just one point. Like right now with this company that they leverage an open worldwide and this kind of stuff, they make money. They make the same money that would make somebody in the US. Like I, I have people in my mentorship, they are making $50,000 per month and they reach $200,000 mm-hmm. per month and they have the money. They have the, like the, the, the dry powder for anything. <laughs> like this is a very wrong perceptions and in here in brazil i went to some event like like gran cardon and and gary v and like a lot of people were enrolling in his most advanced programs that cost in 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 the high five figures or five figures like it's brazilian they spend a lot on education especially for brazil you 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 speak about the guy that removed brazil so brazil they they there is a lot of rich people in here. Like there is some people with some ridiculous amount of money on yacht and helicopters and stuff. Uh, so I don't believe that like the purchasing power uh, is like that. There is some 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 difference. Maybe five years ago or something, six years ago. But like right now. Uh, for example, in my home countries, there is a lot of dropshippers and they are making a lot of money. They are making a lot of money, like really. Mm-hmm. And they are investing their, this money in like uh, joining masterminds, education, some programs, advanced programs, advanced coaching and stuff. Like there is this culture that is starting. And they, for example, like somebody in Morocco is making m- making more money eventually than like a, a, a big chunk of people in the US just online from his computer and stuff. And he's making beyond the ninety percent of the U.S. or or some European country because right now with internet and this is why these companies, the LLC in the U.S. and the LTD in the U.K. are good because we leverage this and then we break the barrier that of being born the wrong side of the map and we get equal rights and we play the business game and uh, and like a lot of guys are crushing it. So I believe this is a misconception in, in, in my opinion. And even the guy from Nomad Capitalist recently, he's been, he's been talking and he said like he starts seeing a lot of Moroccan, Egyptian making seven figures, eight figures reaching out to him for his service. 
Like I remember seeing this. I believe it. So, so I believe it's um uh, even in my programs. Like I have I have some programs that are three thousand dollars, and like people are enrolling. I have program at ten thousand dollars, and people are enrolling. You know, and like my basic, most basic program is like three hundred dollars, and like it's a, almost a no-brainer. People come and, and join. So maybe if it is like few years backward, I would say yes. But like right now, uh, not much. Uh, like it's it's equal. Because I remember like when I was just starting, most of my coaching clients they are they were from the U.S., Canada, Russia. Eventually, a lot of French, a lot of Spanish, and then it started to mix over time. And right now, it's almost equal. That's it's just amazing. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like uh, the globalization right now. This is what is mm-hmm. happening, and internet is breaking the barriers. And like anyone got equal opportunity. It's just that you don't have the expensive cost of living of the US, for example, or of for France or the UK. You can choose another spot or, and even like for us, like as a digital nomads, like we can go to a place where we are, we have a very high quality of life for way cheaper and make a good amount of money. That if in, I I don't know if you get my, my, my points in here. I do. And I, I think, I hope that the, uh, entire digital nomad community reflects the increasing globalization and in that you're actually uh you're actually like the canary in the coal mine you're one of the first people to see this because you're so on the ground and you're actually facilitating um evening the playing field right like you're you're doing god's work man you're helping evening the the playing field um so that uh, everyone has equal access to opportunity try and try and try and <laughs> But yeah, and, this is, this I, is the and I want to see that. It. I want to, I want I want us to get to the point where, you know, let you just pull up to a random hostel in Costa Rica and it's not just German guys and Canadian guys. It's, it's, um, it's women, it's, uh, people from Egypt and yeah. Indonesia, like I said, and, and Moroccans. And it, it's just going to be a much more international community of people that have location independence and work online and I think there'll be sort of like a regression to the mean where the it's the gap fine. between the, the gap between like purchasing power per capita mm-hmm. or, or, or whatever GDP per capita is going to, it's going to, the gap's going to close and um, everyone's going to, you know, live happily. Together. Equal chances. <laughs> that, yeah. that would be amazing. That would be, and we are, we are, we are heading toward that, you know, well, it's just that people didn't wake up to this. Some, a lot of people think that they need to go in the traditional thing and have a job and work eight hours a day and then come back home. We start breaking this right now with the COVID thing because like people start doing the home office thing. What it's our life, digital nomad lives, like they are discovering this new way of living and this is a start of this like like mass globalization and uh, location doesn't matter that much. For this sure. Is a very I, good I think start. what we're going to see is that the, the entire human population is going to just move to somewhere with good climate. <laughs> and Let's go to Mars. Every, Let's colonize Mars. <laughs> that too. That too. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think Russia and Canada and Northern Europe where it's so cold – all of these people are going to like 
build sort of second homes or move to somewhere in the Mediterranean yeah. or in Latin America, somewhere that's just warm yes. and, you know, they, they get to see the sun. Um, it's you're, you're, you're from a warm place, but um, yeah. I'm fr- like wh- where I'm from right now is, you know, negative 15 degrees uh, at this point, at this moment in time. Um, that's a lot. And uh, so, you know, p- people are going where they're treated best to quote nomad capitalists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 but that, no but it's it, it's completely true you go where you are treated best and where your money goes the furthest and like mm-hmm. it's a very very good point i believe because we have this option so why not we we should leverage it and i believe like this is where we are heading um, like the world is changing very fast like for example like uh, um, crypto right now to, to talk about crypto and play to earn and stuff like right now there is in crypto some 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 way that you buy some digital assets that are nfts and you give mm-hmm. these nfts to some people in the other parts of the planet and they use these nfts and you do some revenue share and they are making money and you are making money and this is something that boggles the mind it's like ready player one so everything is getting so virtual and even making money is getting gamification. I, I don't know if you get the point of, of, of this. Like, things mm-hmm. are changing very fast. We are, we are getting to a new era. And you will find a, a young Filipino playing like uh, against a young German and, and like making the same amount of money. And this is happening right now. Uh, and this is just going to grow over time. It's just going to expand. So one day we will be all, you know, the globalization will reach into one hundred percent. I agree, man. So, what what is your level of involvement in crypto now? Oh, we can say ninety percent. <laughs> yeah, I'm like very very involved in crypto. It's uh, right now. Right now, I'm very involved in play to earn. Like uh, this, this what I uh, what I said. Like uh, playing games and earning money, and growing like uh, like, and having some NFTs that grow in value and this kind of stuff. And I'm involved in anything crypto and DeFi, uh, and like and this is things that I cover inside my program, Crypto Wealth Accelerator. Like I go very in depth in this kind of stuff and how to how to make money out of this, how to lower the mm-hmm. risks and maximize the profit and this kind of stuff. And I believe like this is the future. This is where, you know, one thing is like, I have, I've always tried to, to like uh, catch a trend early because this mm-hmm. is how it worked. Like, like in the early stages, it was like email marketing, then it was drop shipping. And then you need to jump from that boat and then move to the next, next, next thing before. And the thing that I see that is going to like uh, skyrocket this year is the play to earn metaverse things. So um, NFTs, crypto. So this is my main focus. That's awesome. And I, I actually had a, a guy on the podcast. You, you listened to it about um, Mark Falzone and him documenting crypto adoption in Latin America. Um, I, I imagine that most of what you're doing is sort of international and online, but 
Um, this being the My Latin Life podcast, I was just curious, are you collaborating with any other like crypto investors and developers um, locally in Brazil or um, across Latin America? Well, uh, not much, but like I have a mini team of players and I have some Brazilian players because Brazilian, they are very, very, very advanced in the play to earn and mm -hmm. in crypto in general. Uh, like there is a lot of people living out of just play to earn, playing video games and, and making money uh, at the same at the same time. So uh, there is this and there is that like anyone that I know on some crypto, like anyone, anyone you ask, do you have some crypto? Yeah, I have some 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 Bitcoin, some Ethereum, some Solana, uh, mm -hmm. like it's something very common. And in Balnario Kamburiu, you can buy real estate in Bitcoin. There is a real estate agency and you go with Bitcoin and you buy the property. So that's how how it is, uh, the, the crypto market in here. And we'll, we'll, you know, start wrapping up because I want to be respectful of your time, but I actually don't know anything about what play to earn really is. I, I understand the idea that some people can make money playing video games because, you know, they earn gems or whatever and the gems are worth money or, but like, I imagine you're not playing games, but you're like managing teams of people playing games or you're I'm, creating I'm communities or what, how does, yeah, how yeah. does it work? So I'm, I'm finding the right games and I'm investing in digital assets and buying these assets and then distributing these assets to, to my team so they can play. And I have two teams. I have split one in Brazil and one in Philippines in both time zones. And like they play and they have some rev share and they're having fun and, and they are making money and I am making money. So, so and they need your, works. they need your capital in order yes. to yeah, provide yes, them all, with all, the, the stuff. Otherwise, they can't get the stuff. So let's say that you need to buy a skin of a NNF, uh, a skin of a guy that like win three times more. So I go and buy this skin and give it to the guy and he play with the skin uh, that I borrow him. Everything on the blockchain and you can get it back anytime. Like uh, everything is safe and secure. So he go mm -hmm. and play and crash the game and make a lot of money in the games and we share it, say 50-50% or depending on, on the game, some games you get the biggest part like because because uh -huh. there's not a lot of work to do. So depending on the game, you, you do the thing. So they are making money, they're professional player at the end, like they're playing the game, making the money and you are uh -huh. on the other side getting back your investment and then getting into the profit over time. Makes sense. I mean... I, I thought you were going to say you just buy the the gems or tokens or whatever, and then you know they go up in value as the as the game gets more popular, for example. But what you're talking about actually sounds to me more like like when you stake a, a poker player and then you go you give him twenty five grand to play you know the World Series of Poker, and then if he wins the jackpot, you know you you share in the earnings. From when kind of <laughs> <this>. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's quite quite similar, like quite similar. Uh, it's kind of. This is another way to see it. So basically, you invest and you put the money, and and there is some play to earn where even the investor is playing because it's fun and it's, there is competition and stuff, and like uh, you want to show your NFT that is a very badass NFT, your skin. So it's a it's a whole you know the world is changing so fast with this play to earn thing, uh, and 
and and yeah uh, overall like this is it you buy the digital assets you lend to people and they they work with the digital asset that you have and you share the money this is one way doing it it's fascinating it's fascinating i i'm sure you're a wealth of knowledge on crypto but uh i want i want to be respectful of your time and then people can you know go look into your program so uh yeah i think this would be the best point in time for you to again just kind of uh kind of shut out and and promote your your programs and the cool stuff that you're working on oh yeah so uh I have a program, Crypto Wealth Accelerator, where I share this kind of stuff, like how to invest in crypto and in this kind of digital assets and play to earn industry that is popping right now. And um, like, you can just follow me on Instagram, Adil Math, and there there is all the links for my stuff, like my YouTube mm-hmm. channel. My most of my content is in English, actually. I have only one channel that is in in Moroccan, the Asia language of uh, there. So, so yeah, uh, Instagram is like the place to go. I have also Twitter, Adil Math. I can send you like the link if you want to add it to show notes. Yeah, yeah, we'll connect everything. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and thanks a lot for having me. And like, uh, yeah, uh, wish you success in your podcast. Really great stuff. We need something like that. Like I remember before coming on uh, to Brazil, I would love to have something like that to get this kind of insights before coming and back then like there is nothing just some forums and stuff you know and there is there is a gap that you are feeling with this program uh with the with the podcast about uh, like latin america so yeah, yeah definitely man i i i appreciate the kind words and hopefully we can uh collaborate in the future um and always sure. you can give me give me feedback about uh um about stuff um, yeah, I just want to say merci, obrigado, merci beaucoup. valeu, valeu, meu irmão, valeu. Junto. <laughs> and I knew, man, I knew when I, when I kind of came across your stuff, I was like, yeah, this guy is going to be a sick podcast guest. Like this will be a good one. And, uh, you Thanks, did not buddy. disappoint. This was, this was an awesome, awesome conversation. Thanks buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Ciao for now. All right. Cheers. <laughs>